hope everybody had a Merry Christmas, and I wish you a Happy New Year. What a great way to bring in a new year last night with the Tigers, watching them dominate. It was unbelievable. If you have your Bibles with you, turn to the book of John, chapter 1. We're going to be in John chapter, in John for several weeks. <clears throat> when I first did a couple of messages in John, talked about, <clears throat> John talks about the word that was with God in the beginning <clears throat> and the word that was God. And that word became flesh and dwelt among us. And then we looked at John the Baptist and his uh, mother and father, Zachariah and Elizabeth, and the angel come into him to kind of let Zachariah know that John would be a forerunner for the Messiah. And then we looked at the angel Gabriel coming to Mary and the birth of her son Jesus which we celebrated last Sunday. Now we're going to look at Jesus starting his ministry. New beginnings. The entire human race and the entire historical world is beginning to revolve around what's happening in this week. And if you look in John, John chapter 1, starting with uh, verse 29, says, the next day, the next day. What happened the day before that? Well, we looked at that a few weeks ago. If you remember, John the Baptist was out in the desert near the River Jordan, and he was preaching a preaching of repentance, and he was baptizing people, not only baptizing the Jews, but the Gentiles. And the Jewish leaders, the Pharisees, the Levites, the Sadducees, were getting a little concerned about this wild man out here in the desert. And so they went out there to question him and they asked him who he was and asked him if he was Elijah and he said, no, I'm not him. They asked him if he was a prophet. He said, no, I'm not him. Are you to Christ? No, I'm not him. Then who are you? He said, I'm a voice crying in the wilderness. Get ready. Because the man's coming. The Messiah's coming. That's what happened the day before. Now the next day, this is the day, it says, John saw Jesus coming toward him. And then he worked up and he saw Jesus coming towards him, approaching him. And this is what he said. This is critically important. Look. Focus on. Don't take your eyes off of this one 
that I see coming get a clear picture of this one that's coming. Look, behold, the Lamb of God. Some of your translation says look, some of them says behold. Behold and look at who? The Lamb. Now, Lamb in Old Testament, in the Old Testament, meant a lot of different things. Primarily, it meant sacrifice, death. I want us to look back and see some things, what John is trying to tell us here about the Lamb of God and what that represents. If you'll flip back, if you have your Bibles with you, first of all, let's look in Genesis chapter 22. Genesis chapter 22, this is where we hear the story of Abraham and Isaac. Genesis chapter 22, starting with verse 1. Sometime later, God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham. Abraham said, here I am. Then God said this, take your son, your only son, your only son, whom you love. I have one son, and I love him very much. Some of you might only have one son. Some of you might have two sons. Take your only son, whom you love very much, and look at here. Whom you love. And go to the region of Moriah, sacrifice him as a burnt offering on one of the mountains I will tell you about. Sacrifice him. Skip down to verse verse, uh, 6. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac. And he himself carried the fire and the knife. And as the two of them went on together... Isaac spoke up and said to his father, Father Abraham, Father, yes, my son, Abraham replied. The fire and the wood are here, Isaac said, but where's the lamb for the burnt offering? Where's the lamb? Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. God did provide a lamb. And that lamb was a substitute for the sacrifice of Isaac. So we see when, when John the Baptist says, Behold, the Lamb of God, that represents the substitution aspect of what John's looking down three years from, from then, of what sacrifice would happen on the cross of Calvary. Sacrificial sacrifice. And then flip over to to Exodus. Exodus chapter 12. We see another aspect of what this lamb represents. The sacrificial lamb. Exodus chapter 12, starting with verse 1. It says, The Lord said to Moses and Aaron in Egypt, This month is to be for you the first month. The first month of, the, of, your year, of your year. Tell the whole community of Israel 
that on the 10th of this day, of this month, each man is to take a lamb for his family, one for each household. Now skip on down to verse 6. Take care of them until the 14th day of the month, when all the people of the community of Israel must slaughter them at twilight. They are to take some of the blood and put it on the sides and tops of the door frames of the houses where they eat the lambs. And then on verse 12, at that same night, I will pass through Egypt and strike down every firstborn, both men and animals, and I will bring judgment on all the gods of Egypt. I am the Lord. The blood will be a sign for you on the houses where you are, and when I see the blood, I will pass over you. No destructive plague will touch you when I strike Egypt. So when John the Baptist says, Behold, or look, the Lamb of God, the Lamb that was provided by God, not only is he saying that Lamb is going to be a sacrifice and a substitute, he's saying, but his blood is going to be shed so that God might pass over those that believe in him. That's why we call it the Passover. That's why the Jews celebrated it every year. When Jesus was crucified, it was during the Passover time. Because back in Exodus, God rescued and saved those Israelites and passed over them. And then one other thought about this lamb. It's over in Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 53. This is a description of what we call the suffering servant. Isaiah takes great pains to print a picture and to write a picture of this suffering servant. But I just want to look at a couple of th- one thing here. Starting with verse, uh, in, ver- in chapter 53, verse 5. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him, and by his wounds we are healed. Look at verse 6. We all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a what? A lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep before his shearers is silent, so he did not open his mouth. So we see here, when John talks about this lamb, he's going to be sacrificed. Just as what Isaiah prophesied. <clears throat> so we see a description of what we call the suffering servant. Now let's go back and look at our verse here in John chapter 1. The next day John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. You see, prior to that, the Jews had all these rituals, all these sacrifices for for their sin of the Jewish nation, not for the world. But when Jesus came onto the scene, 
it was to redeem the world. Not, Jew, not just the Jews, not just the Romans, not just the Gentiles, not just the Greeks, but the entire world. His sacrifice would be comprehensive for the whole world. For the sins of every human being in the entire world. Past, present, future. That's what he means here. <clears throat> who takes away the sins. Of, this is the one I meant when I said a man who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. I myself did not know him. But the reason I came baptizing with water was that he might be revealed to Israel. Then John gave this testimony. I saw the Spirit come down from heaven as a dove and remain on him. I would have not known him except that the one who sent me to baptize with water told me, The man who, to whom you see the Spirit come down and remain is he who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. Now John, in the book of John here, does not reference. He alludes right here to the baptism of Jesus. If we flip back to Matthew chapter 3, Matthew chapter 3, we have here the description and the story of Jesus being baptized by John the Baptist. This is in Matthew chapter 3, starting with verse 13. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? Jesus replied, let it, let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. Then John consented. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. This is my Son. This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. The heavens opened up. The Father looks down at the sun, and he says that. Flip over here to Matthew 17. Matthew 17. Listen to this. This is on the Mount of Transfiguration. Matthew chapter 17, starting with verse 1. After six days, Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John, the brother of James, and led them up a high mountain by themselves. There he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white as light as the light. Just then there appeared before them Moses and Elijah talking with Jesus. Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, I will put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. While he was still speaking, a bright cloud enveloped them, and a voice from the, from the cloud said, listen to what it said, This is my son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. Listen to him. Now let me elaborate on this for just a second. This is what I call the model 
blessing. We have the model prayer, which is the Lord's Prayer. And what I'm about to tell you, I've never heard this preached. And by the way, I've heard a lot of sermons. I've never heard this taught in a Sunday school class. And I've been in a lot of Sunday school classes. I never heard this sitting for three years in a seminary class. I learned what I'm going to tell you from going through a manhood study called Men's Fraternity. The model blessing. Jesus is baptized. The heavens opened up. A voice from the heaven says, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Now what is the Father saying to the Son? He's saying, Son, I love you. Son, I'm proud of you. And then on the Mount of Transfiguration, the heavens opened up. The Father looks down and He says, This is my beloved Son. Same thing He said at His baptism. In whom I'm well pleased. Same thing He says at His baptism. And then He says this, Listen to Him. Listen to Him because He's very, very good at what He does. Every son needs to hear those three things from his dad. I wish my father could come back out of the grave and tell me those three things. I remember standing in his casket when I was a sophomore at Clemson. He died of a heart attack. I love my dad. He loved me. Wonderful Christian man. But he never told me those three things. I knew he loved me. I knew he was proud of me. But I never heard that come from his mouth. I wish he could come back and say, Son, I love you. I'm proud of you. And you're good at something. You're good at this. I remember when I learned this, when I heard this, I said, Man, I've got to tell my son John Robert that. I've got one son. I've got to tell him that. See, every son needs to hear that from his dad. Hear those words come out of his mouth. Look him in the eyes. So I remember one day, I'd made up my mind, I'd been praying. Well, God, give me a chance. Give me a chance. When, when would be a good time? We were out fishing one day on Lake Murray. Beautiful afternoon. I said, John Robert, put your rod down. I got something I want to tell you. Quit fishing for just a minute. I said, sit right here, I want to tell you something. And I looked him in the eye, I said, John, I want to tell you something. I love you very, very much. I'm proud of you. And you are very, very good at leadership. You're an excellent leader. Maybe your son's a good student. Maybe he's smart as a whip. Maybe he can play a flute or 
a guitar, good athlete. I don't know. He just needs to hear something about what he's good at. Every son, every child needs to hear that from his dad. Not from his mom, but from his dad. Dad loves him and his dad's proud of him. And he's good at something. You see, every son, if they hear that from their dad, they can conquer the world. They got what it takes. Jesus heard that from his father. The model blessing. Tell your boys that. Tell your girls that. And then what he says, verse 34. John the Baptist says this, I have seen and I testify. I have seen this lamb. I have seen this man. And I testify that this is the Son of God. Takes us right back to where John, over here in John chapter 20, verses 30 and 31. The reason why John wrote the book of John. The purpose. This is what he says. Starting with verse 30 in John chapter 20. Jesus did many other miraculous signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in his book. And this is it. But these are written that you may, what? Believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. John is going to take us on a journey to without a shadow of a doubt show us that Jesus is exactly what John testified about, the Son of God, the Word that became flesh and dwelt among us. That Jesus Christ is a Lamb that took on all our sin and died on the cross so that we might have life and have it life forever. Do you know Jesus? Do you believe in him? Do you trust in him? That's the key thing. And as we begin this new year, just as Jesus began his ministry, we begin with a new affirmation and a new rededication and a new relationship that Jesus is exactly who John the Baptist said he is, the Son of God takes away the sins of the world. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for our time this morning. I thank you for these words that you've given to us. This story of you being baptized by John the Baptist and you're hearing that your father looked down and told you those three things and that we need to be be as dads doing the same thing with our sons. 
and our daughters, telling them that we love them and we're proud of them and they're good at something. Give them your, our blessings, just as you gave your blessing upon your son at your baptism and at the, at the transfiguration. And Father, I pray that as we enter into this new year, that our relationship with you will continue to grow and prosper. That we'll see people come into your kingdom as a result of our witness to them. And we ask that your Holy Spirit would give us boldness, guidance, protection, and your words. For it's the strong name of Jesus that I pray. Amen. Our hymn of invitation is... In Christ Alone. Oh, in Christ Alone. Let's all Thank stand. You.